Welcome to Through the Wire. Through the Wire. Back again, of course, with another mid-season episode. We got a lot on the agenda today. But first of all, how's my boys doing, man? We're doing this episode a little bit earlier than usual. Let's let's kick this. Let's kick this energy into gear. You feel me? How's everybody doing? I'm doing I'm good. good. <laughs> I, we got to get back to the, to the in-person you know, sometime soon. Some, but uh, I'm doing good. A little early. I did have to cut a little sleep. I'm doing good. Had to cut a little sleep for you, KB. But, you know, you my, my I got you. My apologies. I knew when I hit that uh, the group chat asking to go a little bit early, everybody was going to be cool. But I just had to make sure, make sure ain't nobody had some extra sleeping plans or whatever. Or, or nobody was still at the hotel. Eric. Oh. You right. <laughs> but no, I'm great, bro. Uh, I got my sleep, feeling energized. Blazers won last night, so I'm mm. good. Big win, too. 17-point deficit comeback. Oh, So that's your team, then? Because I've never heard you say that a Bulls win got you feeling like that. Like, you've never come on like, man, Bulls won. I had an Italian beef yesterday. So you're a Blazer fan. So because sometimes when the question comes up, you be acting like, oh, no, I'm a Bulls fan. I remember that one time we, we planned to do a segment where all of us were the GMs of our favorite teams, and he came in thinking he was going to be the Bulls GM. Yeah, but see, the only reason I don't really care about – I don't say I don't care about the Bulls wins. I do care, but it's more so like there's growing pains. This team's still rebuilding. They're not really trying to be, like, in the playoff hunt. But They're that's not, why you would appreciate the wins even more. So you appreciate Knicks wins a lot? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but you just came on here and said that you would much rather them lose than be competitive, I, right? I, I didn't say that. I said I don't know if I want them to make the playoffs. People keep asking me about the playoffs. I'm not sure. The playoffs might not be as valuable as a lottery pick for us. But to yeah. see us go out and start off, what are we, five and six? Five and it's six. very encouraging for what everybody tries to talk about the Knicks. Everybody portrays us to be the bottom feeding team when in the last couple of years, I've been telling people we're a lot better than that. That's the reason I made the, the bet with Kenny last year is to say, Hey, as much as y'all try to shit on the Knicks, we're right there with the bulls. The bulls aren't that like different than the Knicks because the media tries to portray the Knicks is like here and everybody else, even the other bad teams are here. Like there's just this wide gap and the Knicks are just the bottom team, like the bottom, we're the gum at the bottom of the shoe. And then the other bad teams are just the soul. But, like, yeah, I'm happy when the Knicks win. What the fuck? <laughs> Even if you want a lottery pick, that doesn't mean a team has to win one game. You're right. Mike, when the Lakers had fucking Xavier Henry and they were playing at 10 o'clock on TNT still, I'm sure you were happy when Nick Young went off for 28 on some of them days and they won. No, no, those are the best nights. Them Jody Meek just random nights. He dropped 20 or something. Like, those, those do be the best nights. Yeah, even but, the tanking teams enjoy the occasional win. Mm-hmm. You know, like when the Bulls beat the Blazers the other night, If I don't know if you remember that one, but that was a GOAT game. Um, I was on cloud nine. I was on cloud nine. Even though at the end of the day that win may not mean a single thing for our overall season, um, you take games like that and you are excited when you see growth. You know, there's one thing to see growth in a loss, but there's another thing to see growth in a win, you know. Um, see, that's, that's, that's how I feel about things. Pierre, I know you just went on that, but how you feeling? Feel good. Um, I think we'll have a good episode today. Um, yeah, let's get to it, man. I'm ready. Let's talk this basket. You know, I gotta crack. I gotta crack the the comments. So, oh yeah, I forgot quick. about your segment. <laughs> best, best comment, and it's real sweet too. Made me smile. 
comes from Erica. It says, I low-key wish TTW had their own channel and could expand off and create their own videos together too. I'm pretty sure that's that's coming soon, right? That's gotta be in the works sometime. Yeah, yeah, definitely coming soon. We've been we've been talking about it for a while, but I think twenty twenty one is a year where through the wire exists on its own um YouTube channel and everything. So you can come strictly for uh through the wire content if you want to. Yeah, that plan in like twenty nineteen, but yeah. obviously twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty hit and everybody's priorities kinda went in different directions trying to trying to make things work. But now with twenty twenty one coming around and things are kinda settling down in a way, um, expect it through the wire channel where it's gonna be our show, probably clip outs and then also other content once the world opens up. That's all we saying. Right. And then she caps it off with D Mills, you're looking great, keep it up. Might keep up the fire ideas. P, she's loving the discussion. You bring in Kenny. Don't forget to eat your salad. Okay. So, okay. What's his purpose name? Uh, this was Erica. Shout out to Erica, man. Like she looking at all social platforms and she know about the salad grind. So yes. we appreciate we appreciate your support. And then last word, finding something positive to say about all of us. Mm. That's what I. That's what I just said. It made me smile. I looked at this. This is the worst comment. I looked at this and I was just like, "Congratulations, buddy! You got yourself the worst comment." <laughs> He's. This is by yourself. Nineties says this is off topic, but I'm gonna need y'all to show Bradley Beal more love, regardless of the team's success. He's an elite player. This will really kill me. Post his highlights. Like we just be posting all the highlights. Oh, <laughs> oh, so, oh somebody is a big mistake on what we do on this channel. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> You got a worse comment the last episode. <laughs> oh, man. Didn't we talk about Bradley Beal and the Wizards extensively over the last couple episodes? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the game today. Yeah, I'm, I'm very confused on, on what people want. Do you want – they want an hour long of Bradley Beal talk? Because that ain't going to happen. Apparently, they want more highlights. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not again, there's, like no, there's no way he dropped 60 and House of Highlights <laughs> didn't drop a mixtape of his 60, right? Whatever that. He, he has his highlights. I think those people that make those comments don't watch this. Like, I feel like we have a lot of viewers. You know, we get a lot of views. But I feel like we have a strong part of our community that literally watches every episode. There's people that watch literally every episode. Then, of course, we have fans that watch when they can. So I, I just don't understand, as a fan who watches when they can, how can you judge or speak on the last three episodes when you know in your heart you didn't watch them? And like it's like me with the Joe Budden podcast. I love the Joe Budden podcast, but it's so long that a lot of them I don't watch them all. So when I do stumble on a newer one, I can't go back on the last three episodes and be like, "Man, y'all ain't talking about the Drake album." I don't know. They maybe they did it. You know what I mean? Like I would never know because I know I didn't watch that. Like people be up here not barely watching. You know what I mean? And and talking about we need to talk about this and that more because they see the fucking headline. And a lot of the times, the headline is not even really the sauce of the, the, the matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? but, yeah, it's, it's weird because I just looked it up. Um, every game that he's had so far this season, there's a clip out of his game because he's averaging 30-plus. So it's, <laughs> I, I don't really understand it. Um, anyway, anyway, new topic. Thank you, Mike, for the comments of the day. Um, everybody should be striving for the positive comment of the day and don't try to be the asshole of the day just because it's, pro- it's probably easier to get the worst comment of the day. That's what I try I try to avoid the people that look like they're just going for the they worst. They're trying to do a good. Yeah. Good for you. 
Um, so we're going to get to the real topics of like the segments of today's episode, but let's talk about some news first. Um, the NBA today is having a meeting where they're discussing the health and protocol situation, dealing with it. Um, we've seen some postponed games. We've seen some players have to sit out the biggest name being like Jason Tatum because he's contracted the virus. Um, and the NBA is considering potentially pausing the season for seven to 14 days. And they would say this will be the last resort, but it's, it's definitely a possibility that we might have another suspended season. Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, this is just part of the virus. It spreads. It's contagious. I mean, it was just like this is just something that you didn't want to happen. You thought that the NBA would have it more under control. Players would be more like taking it more serious. But I'm, I'm not saying they're not taking it serious. But it's just like it's just something that was probably inevitable. Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely was inevitable. I mean, I, I think the NBA is doing a, a pretty good job, right? The players seem like they're locked in. We're not seeing people back at the clubs and things like that. But when you're going in and out of hotels, you're still doing traveling, it is inevitable that things will happen. Um, yeah. And I think what, what's going to be the determinative factor is how the, the NBA decides to deal with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it was inevitable. Um we were talking about this idea yesterday, just like putting that NBA on like a mini hiatus, just for like people that are even going through quarantine or having tested positive, like they can make sure they're clear and, you know, everything is becoming more like more, you're more willing to do it because it just looks a little bit more safer. Like even if they did this again towards the end of the season where they were like, you know what, before the playoffs, you want to make sure, you know, all the players are looking good. All of them are quarantined. Let's go through, you know, a little, a little weak hiatus real quick. You know, I, I wouldn't mind them doing that type of stuff with everything going on. I just want to see the NBA continue. And obviously, we're going to have to find, like, ways to hurdle over it to keep it going. So, No, I agree. Um, without a doubt, that I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, but he, he, my thing is strict. Like, we had to, they got to be a little bit more stricter with things. Uh, they have to be willing to uh, sacrifice. That should be the main word. It's too many teams and too many people in the league right now that's trying to make up for things. We're in a pandemic. You're not going to make up for shit. So these little cities and these places where they can have a certain amount of fans, just fuck it because those little amount of fans won't aren't making up anything. So why are we even risking, you know, having that having people there? That that's part of the problem. You know what I mean? Just not let the people in. And I know it doesn't it doesn't mean the coronavirus uh, is is done for in the NBA just because fans won't be there. Because like Kenny mentioned, you're going to hotels. People are still going to restaurants, by the way. Like, you know what I mean? So we got it. They have to be a little bit more stricter if this is what they want. The players, uh, the league in itself, if they really want to have a season, they're going to have to sacrifice some things. That's just what it is. It's a give and take world. So if they want the season, then, yeah, owners, those like those 25, 30 fans um, or 100 fans that y'all are letting in, they're not really making up anything on a, in, in the grand reality of it. I know they want to lie to themselves and pretend that they are. And then they maybe want to show that, hey, look, we're doing it well, and maybe they'll let more people in. But the, the, the matter of the fact that that's not going to happen. So instead of risking an entire season for, you know, some bullshit-ass revenue, let's get back to, to making it as much of a bubble without it being a bubble as we can. Um, and I think that could help. And then a little bit more stricter, you know, which they talked about more stricter with the uh, the mask and playing shoot around and a lot of different things, you know. Yeah, because like even the time on LeBron's birthday, I know it's human nature. He didn't do anything bad, but it's just, again, sometimes we get too comfortable and he's giving the wristbands away to the fans and the thing that right there, that subtle thing could spark a whole thing. 
You know what I mean? But it, again, they it's hard to process for them because they've been doing this for 20 years, being able to go and give a fan uh, a, a wristband or something. And, you know, we all hit that level of comfort when we, like, forget. And so, like, the, the more we make it strict, the more better it be. In the bubble, they were super strict. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if we get back to that without being legitimately in the bubble, it could help a lot. Um, but they, they, they are doing a very good job. So Do y'all just, think it makes more sense – to pause the season for seven to 14 days or to expand the rosters so you will have enough players so games won't get postponed? Because that, oh. that was the idea that Jamal Crawford's like, just go get more players. These games don't have to be paused if you have six people in tracing and one person with the virus. Pause it. Just pause it, yeah. And why's that? <laughs> because what's the point of going to get, like, going to get more players? On, that ain't your real team. Like, if the Spurs all of a sudden go sign Michael Beasley – Derek Williams and Brandon Jennings, that's not the real Spurs team. So it's like, just let's let them quarantine and pause for seven or 14. So when they back competing, it's their real team. If the, the Nuggets come out with a team of, you know, these random players and they're losing games, that ain't really the Nuggets. My boy yeah. Mike was trying to get him a contract the other day. Yeah, I was going to say, I might as well go play for the Sixers. And that's, that's what just comes to mind. It's just like, even if they did expand the rosters, like the 76ers didn't have just like, you know, people that just gonna go, go out and compete with the Nuggets team that was deep out there and they had their players already. If you're just playing like G League rosters out there and you're you kind of messing up that team record for Philly and stuff like that, it just I, I don't like that for that great. Right. Yeah. It, it is it is a very short sighted solution to the problem, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if you have a twenty man rotation, Joel and B, Ben Simmons, Tobias all have to go through tracing and you're running out Tyrese Maxey and these players in the playoffs, then you're not getting the real product. I mean like the reason you would pause it is because you get the games, right? You get the games, you get the revenue. But I'm sorry, I'm not watching the 76ers right now. You know, it was cool to see Tyrese Maxey almost drop 40, but I'm not really watching their game. So they're not getting that revenue. So it would probably be better to put it on pause. Um, I, I do like that they're not afraid to postpone games, you know. Just try to completely get rid of the spread. But it, it's something that they we're going to find out. After this episode, we're going to get the big update saying whatever happened is happening. And then, depending on what it is, we may have to do an emergency pod. I don't know. I, d- I doubt we're at the point of suspension right now, but if things kick in, we're like, even today, this morning, the Washington Wizards had to shut things down because of tracing. So, it seems like every single team is dealing with something uh, COVID-related, and the NBA had to figure That's it the out. Irony of it, like you said, you're doing it for revenue, but I'm not watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's like this, what are you saying? Let's get back to some James Harden news. He ain't been in the news for a couple weeks now. Uh, the last time he was in the news, did y'all see that Calvin Murphy clip where he was like, he quit? Mm-mm. Y'all don't be out there in the Twitter world, man. Y'all got to get out there a little bit more. Basically, I get the game against the Indiana Pacers, it was a close game, and then James Harden just basically didn't do anything for the last couple minutes. And then oh. Calvin Murphy, you know, Hall of Famer Calvin Murphy, he's on the Houston Rockets postgame show, and he gave the very political answer. We didn't get a James Harden game, yada, yada, yada. And then it cut from him, you know, like a transition to commercial. And before his mic was cut off, he said to his co-host, he quit. And he thought his mic was off. So it was, just, it was just fun. Anyway, he's back in the news because Kevin O'Connor said this. And Kevin O'Connor, we would agree, is a, a trusted source. Shout out to Kevin O'Connor. Houston, yeah, is, growing, be better. <laughs> Houston is growing more confident that um, Harden will be content to stick around at least through the rest of the season. And then he later backed it up by saying James Harden in the interview talked about the chemistry on the team growing and growing and getting better. And they may be a force to reckon with in a few months. 
Uh, I had a feeling that would happen. I, I seemed like that team is like they kind of needed him, and I feel like he wanted to be there. I feel like he, what was going on probably didn't have to do with like John Wall, Boogie. And I feel like once he got in the rhythm with them guys, that probably would have got got it going, and he would have been like, "All right, this is low key cool. I wouldn't mind being him." I I, I disagree. I just think that the reality is that there's nowhere he can really go. So he might as well just get used to it. Um, I think if there was somewhere he could go, like the teams that he had, if he could still go there, I think he would. But when you look at uh, Brooklyn and especially Dinwiddie getting hurt, not going to be able to go there probably. Uh, Philadelphia isn't trading Ben Simmons, not going to be able to go there. Um, And I don't know what Miami could do to get him. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's like, where am I going to go? I might as well just stay here. Hey, I don't think he ever wanted to get traded so bad that he would go to uh, anywhere. I think that's why he came with a list. And now that he can't go to – realistically, it's not no way for him to really go to those teams. He might as well stay, right? The only re- benefit for him to leave would to be able to go to a, a much better team like the Nets, like the Sixers. But if he was just going to go and get traded to come to somewhere else worse than the Rockets, that defeated the purpose. You know what I mean? So I think now that – there's no way to go to the Brooklyn and Philly. You might as well stay and get comfortable. That is his home at the end of the day. So it was going to be a lot easier to convince him to want to stay, knowing that that market wasn't as – because James Harden is a weird guy to trade for because you got to give up so much. And then but you also like, want to be competitive too. Yeah. And then it's like, how is he going to fit? So it's just really weird in his market. It's not that he's not a valuable player. It's just like if Paul George is getting seven picks, how much do you give up for Harden? You know what I mean? It's weird. So, and he only has two years left on his deal. Like, is he gonna stay? Right. Like, so yeah, a lot of question marks to him. I think that was just the reality of it more so than him just being like, "Hey, you know what? This team is really got my heart all of a sudden." <laughs> I think it could be that too. Like, I, my thing was I thought it was like for the most part at the beginning of the season, he just he just seemed like super stubborn. Like, regardless of what was going on. When we got John Wall and Boogie, we looked good. Like, I still just wanted to get out of here. But now, like, he is playing and, and he does see what's going on. I think he has seen, a, like, it's just not that bad. You know, we can still do what we do. I, I'm still the player I am. And, you know, you know, it, it's fine. You know, I think uh, another thing is just I think Bradley Beal becoming more in trade talks, too, where a team's going to be looking at him instead of saying, like, you know, and maybe we don't we don't need James Harden. Bradley Beal is a better fit for our team and what we're trying to do. Maybe we don't even have to give as much for a Bradley Beal or something like that. So uh, I think that can all play into it as well. That's interesting. Um, especially with Bradley Beal being like six years younger, I could see a team definitely trying to prioritize trading for him over James Harden. Um, do y'all feel like the, the NBA general managers are getting better, like smarter? Mm-mm. Like th- think about some of the trades we remember for like years and years ago that like are notoriously really, really bad trades. I feel like we don't get those as often nowadays. Or maybe I'm tripping. Well, could it? I I haven't really. Could it just be that the bad GMs have just got fired? That's what I mean. Like every every team, yeah. either. I'm not saying that every team has a good GM, but like there used to be periods of time where some general managers were legit, like just terrible, yeah. absolutely terrible. Whether it be missing on a thousand draft picks or trading a thousand draft picks or or just making bad decisions for the teams. I mean, you can argue, of course, every offseason is going to be bad moves, but like. I don't know if we've seen a monumental bad moment in in like uh, free agency or or whatever. Or, or again, maybe I'm tripping. It's yeah. tough for me to say that they they gone. I just think that 
a lot of I, I really think a lot of them are scared to to make their moves. Uh, yeah. to um, but I, I, I like you said, it's, it's bad moves and shit every every mm-hmm. draft and every offseason. That's because they are still there. And mm-hmm. and the people who have it, it, a trade goes two ways. So I think some people save motherfuckers from making dumbass trades because they're like, I'm not going to accept that. But like, there's some shit out there. It, I think would go down if more teams are willing to be a part of it. But I ain't count. I, hey, I'm not counting that out. I'm mm. not counting that out. No, no, no hell no. They y'all still have to do with y'all think it has to do with social media. Like, yeah, no, like I, you I, said, them being scared. Yeah, they got to make the fans happy. If it's not something that will satisfy the fans, then they're not going to do it. And and that's part of it because the fan, like a lot of fans, especially in today's age, they want results immediately. Yeah. Like, if well, trade... what PM said that they they was looking at Twitter. Somebody said they looked at Twitter. I don't know. I was like, man, I, sometimes I got an idea from Twitter or something like that. Man, I forget what GM it was. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mike. I'm going to try to Google it. No, but I, I think the social media part and just being scared to make those trades is the, is the big part. A lot of these just don't go down no more. I mean, like, literally at this point, a lot of teams, like, just one one bad trade, it just kind of, you see the backlash in media a lot, of, especially from social media. You see the fans. You know, and that's why you see a lot of these NBA players come out and say like, "There's during the season, so I don't even go on social media, mm-hmm. right?" It's just a toxic, it's just a toxic place, and I, I, it's got to be the same way for GMs, you know. So, the only I, one I that I can really think of that was on the table that didn't go down was um the six first round picks from Houston for James Harden. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Jimmy Butler. Yes, now that would have that would have. Daryl Morey was a crazy motherfucker back then. I mean, he yeah. still is crazy, but yes, and wasn't it for one season of him too? Oh, was he yeah, had like one more year on this contract? So he wouldn't go to Philly. So yeah. That was And it that, was kind of crazy that they offered it and that Minnesota denied it. So it yes. was crazy on both ends. You're right, dude. You know what? We probably see, I think Pete said it, where like a lot of bad trades on the table, but the other general manager doesn't just doesn't accept it. There's no reason why the Timberwolves shouldn't have taken six first round picks for Jimmy Butler. It's just crazy. Or like <laughs> I just that you saying six first round picks just reminded me that Aunt Danny Ainge offered four first round picks to move up to take um Justice Winslow, and that didn't get accepted. But he was willing to give up that many first round picks to get Justice Winslow because he thought he was the next real deal. So, and then he he offered it to Charlotte, who took Frank Kaminsky. So like that should have been a deal that happened. But but um back to the social media thing, I could definitely I could definitely see that because back in the day, I guess you really just had to satisfy like the newspaper writers. Because the average NBA fan didn't really have a voice. And now with social media, everybody has a voice, right? So, like, I can tweet at my general manager after trade is done. I mean, it, will he see it? Probably not. But, like, his mentions will be filled. When you see a trade. See I'm a, I think he will see it. You think so? I think every team now has a prominent guy. Like, I see all of these different people from different teams. Like, a prominent fan that has all of these followers. Like, I – like – because Javon plays for the Suns, I'm tapped in with the Suns thing. They have a guy who has like twenty some thousand. There's the the girl who's a Grizzlies fan. She mm-hmm. was just on like uh, Keep It With a Buck podcast. She has a group of followers. The girls and the people that D Mills be talking to in his little uh, group chat <laughs> messaging thing. Oh, it's like uh, Hannah and, and and Melvina. They have a group of followers and they're fans of somebody. We I have, like several, uh, yeah, I know like several Laker Laker accounts, exactly. like just fans that have like you know, not to my boy, some amount of followers. Hoodie Curry, he's so a like the, the upper echelon of like an individual player. markets fan base. Yeah, yeah. they all okay. have like at least one prominent account 
that can be the voice of reason or voice of concern for each team where like, like obviously if you're a Bulls fan, so if you have something to say about the Bulls, your shit going to kind of do numbers just because it's Bulls related. Mm-hmm. Um, Knicks fan TV for the, my, my Knicks, their account, his account CP, if he says anything, that shit gets traction because he's the Nick person. So mm-hmm. everybody had, and I think when it gets to that, you'll, it'll be seen. Because everybody has that one person that the shit is going to go to. Right. Now, now that I think about it, though, like, obviously a lot of teams want to keep, like, the outside world out from, like, everything that goes down in the locker room. But how much do you think teams actually do pay attention to social media? Because they, they got to at this point. All businesses pay, have to pay yes. attention to it. Yes. I am, I am pretty confident with saying that majority of NBA fans search their name on social media after a game. Good game, NBA bad players. game, whatever it may be. NBA players. NBA players. So. I'm sorry. NBA players search their name after a good game, bad game, just to see what was up. I think I would do the same thing if I was in the league, especially after a good-ass game. If I just had 30, I want to hear what people saying about my 30 piece. Or if I just look bad, I, people – like, you're going to see that that reinforcement. No, that's a fact because I have I, I have tweets over years that, like, I, I'll tweet some – I won't tweet at them, but I'll say something and they'll like it. Like, mm-hmm. I remember prominently, like, Miles Bridges. He did something last year that cost them the game. And I did like the Jimmy Butler that what the fuck, Jeff mm-hmm. G- and I put like at Miles Bridges, but I didn't know his at, so I just put at space mm-hmm. his name, and he liked it. Right, and it's like he liked it probably because he searched his name. I also remember years ago when we were still kids, Twitter was still a little bit newer. There was this player in college that I really liked. He was just a solid uh, college player, played at high school in uh, Chicago, and I would like. I typed his name in to see how he did. And like all of the kids from his school or not kids, but people that were fans of the school he went to, they were saying shit about him because he, he had like a bad play at the end of the game. And I remember me being young, I responded to all of them like, F you, get off <laughs> leave him alone, blah, blah, blah. And he followed me back because he Googled, I mean, he searched his name and he saw me replying to all of them. So even back then and lesser tier shit where he mm-hmm. just a college player, he never would step foot in the NBA was searching their names, so I totally believe it. Yeah. You know, I believe Dwayne Bacon probably looked up his name. Yeah. Y'all think LeBron looks at his name? No. I, I no. feel like LeBron's the one he just doesn't even care. No. Because he can, you know why? Because he can drop a 70-point triple-double on somebody still, like Skip Bayless is going to say, man, he could have had 80, but he's lazy. <laughs> you know how we know it's true? Kevin Durant searches his name. 100% he searches his name. Yeah. He responds to tweets that he's not tagging him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not the it's not the wrong with it, you know what I'm saying? It, I think it could be bad for your mental health though, long term. To 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 like either either even if it's a really good game and you go look up for positive reinforcement because you're gonna put yourself in a situation where after the bad games you're gonna do the same thing just because you're so used to doing it after the good games and then all of that takes a toll. At the end of the day, most people on Twitter are faceless, you know what I'm saying? Um, and it's in 2021 and the way the internet is going, people forget to realize that there's another person on the other side of all of your tweets, you know what I'm saying? Um, so because that's some wild stuff can get said, you know, especially about an NBA player, especially about a player that's on a, pe- a pedestal. So it could be it could be bad for mental health, man. We know GMs do it too. Shout out to Brian Colangelo. Facts, facts. Um, all of that great conversation. Let's get into today's episode, though, talking about top three disappointments thus far. 
don't worry, y'all. We do get to positive things, too, because I think we did disappointments like a week ago, too. So <laughs> I don't want everybody to think that we all negative around here. We will get to some bright spots. But top three disappointments, who got gets, their first one? Shit just gets more disappointing as the season goes. Because, like, the first week you can be like, ah, oh, that team was just. Right. They were slumping. This person was slumping. Yeah. But now we're a couple weeks into it, 10 games in. and I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> who want to go first? Yeah. I, I don't want to do the I'll second go. ones. So. Um. So I got for number one, not number one, but I'm going from the bottom up. So number three is Bogdanovich from the Jazz. Just give um, your one. Just give your one. Yeah, let's, you we're gonna have a conversation about all of it. What's what's disappointing about his performance so far this year? Uh, he's averaging 12 points a game last year. He's a 20 point get per game score. Um, percentages are down. He's just he's not being the player that the Jazz need him to be. They're still they're still six and four, but. He's gonna have to pick it up in order for them to stay in, in that echelon of being like that four or five seed. Yeah. They're not gonna be able to get by with him averaging twelve. He's having a lot of single digit games where he's coming out giving you seven, nine, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like, he's gonna have to pick it up for them. I agree. I had him on my list as well. Um and I noticed he was doing bad because I picked him up for fantasy. Uh, I saw Terrence Terrence had dropped him beginning uh at the beginning examining. Um Anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll keep going from that. Um, yeah, he, was like, he was like that missing piece, right? When they went to the bubble, that was the thing. They're missing a 20-point-per-game score. They're missing a 20-point-per-game score. And so far this season, he hasn't been that 20-point-per-game score. Kyrie you know, Irving. There's yeah. online, they're talking about Kyrie. What are they saying? Online videos of Kyrie are circulating of him at a maskless family birthday party. There's no belief that Kyrie will return to the Nets lineup this week. Yeah, I, I was kind of seeing that, but... Um, we're probably going to get the Kyrie too uh, later down the road. But Bogdanovich, yeah, I, I remember just like – and he he's getting his shots up. Sometimes his legs just don't seem like they're underneath him all the way or like he's all the way there yet. But the Jazz are going to need him to step up. I agree. The Jazz always had that problem where it's like they're just offensively inconsistent. I, I don't know. They just have games where they just put up sinkers one night and they, they just don't look like that four or five even though they could be. Mm-hmm. He normally shoots 40% for three. He's shooting at 32% this year. Yeah, I think it... Well, even outside of percentages, when you just watch them, yeah, it seems like he has a wrist injury that's bothering him. I see him keep the wrist sleeve on. Sometimes he's taking it off. Um, so I, I, that has to be playing a part of it. But he's just not himself. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's Bogdanovich. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't got to get too deep. He's just not being a player that they had him as last year. And I think they will need him to be like that. Um, especially since Mike Conley ain't had like some crazy bounce back year. Um, Mike Conley is being solid, but it, it ain't like he just turned it all the way around. And like Mike said, he's just not, they already not a fire, firepower offense. So it's like yeah. depending on Don and uh, JC to really explode. So I, I'll go next with my guy. Um, it's Sekou Dambuya. Um, I didn't come in thinking that, you know, he's about to take a leap or anything, but there's, he barely gets PT now. And for a team that's at the bottom of the conference and, and rebuilding, you would expect them to go out and, and roll out some of their younger guys, especially a young lottery pick from last season. But he hasn't really cracked the rotation to the point you'd want him to. That's not at the fault of Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey's probably a coach like, you got to earn your minutes. And right now, Seku ain't earning the minutes. When he's out there, they're bad. When he's out there, he's bad. So it's, it's really um, – he has had a disappointing sophomore season. I still have not gave up hope on my boy Seku Dambuya, but you want him to get to the point where he's averaging more than, what, 10, point, 10 minutes per game, not even points per game, 10 minutes per game. 
you know, especially when last year he averaged 20 minutes. And I would say this team is more towards a rebuild than they were last year when they had Drummond and everybody. So um, I, I would like for him to to make that rotation. And it yeah, does hurt that they made a bunch of signings and trades for power forwards and stuff. But no, I feel you. Um, I, I know this off experience of playing with them myself, building it myself on 2K. He, even on the game, he was a hard guy to give minutes to because there's there is Jeremy Grant that can play three four. You still do have Blake Griffin, uh, who you're going to give minutes to when he's healthy. You got a guy like Sfi who can play on the wing as well. Um, Sadiq Bay was playing good in my re- rebuild. He's playing good um, in the NBA, and he's a little bit more ready than Seku. So it's hard. It was hard to find Seku minutes on 2K. So I'm guessing it's hard to find because he's he's not there yet. He he was a guy that was going to take a while. He had his flashes and his moments last year because there was just an abundance of minutes to be given to him. But right now, as far as competing with like a Jeremy Grant, who was mm-hmm. literally playing like damn near the all-star borderline level right now. Sadiq Bay is really a three and D guy who was legitimately ready to have NBA minutes. And then set uh speed you know, Speed is really a marksman when he's on fire and, and on point. So it's like when you're dealing with all of that, somebody has to be the odd man out. And Seku could be an up and down guy. You can give him 30 minutes and he'll look confident. But then also because he's so young, you can give him 30 minutes and you can and he can make you regret giving him that much opportunity. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to work on his consistency. He's going to have to learn. And I think he has some good guys around him that he can learn from. And I think he has to find a prominent position. Because they're dealing with that thing where they're trying to figure out, can he play three? Can he play four? When he does play four, what is he going to be doing? Is he picking, popping? Is he spacing the floor? Are we trying to have him in a Draymond Green role? There, he's, he's such a versatile player that it, sometimes versatility can hurt you because you don't have a sure thing that you lock on to on a night-by-night basis. Like Sadiq Bey, you know what you're getting from Sadiq Bey. He's going to guard. He's going to space the floor. You know what you're getting from Jeremy Grant. You know what you're getting from Speed. I don't know what you know if you know exactly what you're getting from Seku just yet. And like you said, that doesn't that's no reason for any Piston fan to give up on him. He's still like what 19 years old. So um when Blake Griffin is out of the picture, I think Seku will have a lot more opportunity to to become who he wants to become. Yeah. I think uh and, and the Pistons were like one of the teams that I was just kind of disappointed in. Um, I knew they, they weren't going to be good, but I, I expected them to just be better just on court. I expected Killian Hayes to be, you know, better. I expected uh, Blake Griffin, you know, for one, for him to even try to be traded or, or anything like that. He's only averaging 13 points on the season. He just, I don't know if he's hurt. It's just he's when I When I watch them, he mm-hmm. results to just taking threes. He's a spot-up shooter now. He he doesn't do much more than that. Right. He just kind of seems like he's just kind of just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not there. It's just like I was looking at their minutes too, and they have like a lot of people average minutes for their team. They have a lot of people they playing have a on long their rotation. Rock. Yep. Right. So it's just gonna be hard to give those younger player minutes when you do have all that. You have Jaleel Okafor trying to come in and he and he's getting 10 minutes per game and stuff like that. So I would like to see a trade for them, but they can make it happen. But I, I think they gotta pick it up on the court. Yeah, yeah I see I that. Mean, you kind of knew this going in and someone was not gonna get minutes. And it just happened to be Tabuya. I don't know. Tabuya? I don't know his name. Where did you get a T from? <laughs> but yeah, it just so happened to be him. Because when you look at it, Sadiq Bay's getting 24 <laughs> minutes. Jeremy Grant's getting 36. Like Griffin's going to get his 36. So there's just nowhere for him. There's no room for him. No wiggle room. I love you, Derek. I don't know where the hell you got a T from in his name. What did, Tim- you, call, what did you call him? Tabuya. Tabuya? Yeah, Tabuya. Where are you getting the S from? 
There's no, there's no. Se- just call him Seku. Seku's the easiest. Just call him Seku. Seku the movie. You can combine, you combine his first and last name. That's the problem. Yeah. It's Seku Dumbuya yeah. or Dumbuye. However, they I hear every person that pronounce yeah. it. Differently. That's why I just keep it to Seku. But at least they have the pronunciation somewhere. This motherfucker put his name combined. <laughs> Dumbuya. Yeah, Dumbuya. I don't know what the hell he said. Um, um, that's why you need to play 2K. <laughs> if if this is if this is true of Kyrie Irving being out and stuff like that shit is inexcusable, bro. Like, come on, man. It's, it's... Who are you, the daddy? No, just that. That's we, how we I got felt. on. We got on James Harden ass when he was out there in the club and doing stuff, and he said it was a baby shot. I I literally don't care, bro. There's a reason why these health and protocol things are are set. You know what I'm saying? And and he should be abiding by it. I don't I don't give a damn. I love Kyrie Irving to death. That's that's one of my guys, but that's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of crazy that he's at a family event and someone reported him. I mean, it's kind of good that they did, but it's kind of still crazy that. I think. I, I mean, like I think that. that's pretty typical, right? When somebody opening gifts, you record gifts. It's normal stuff. You know, I think every yeah. every get together I've ever been to, somebody brought out a camera for one reason or another. That's not weird at all. You got like somebody in them who like, look at Kyrie Irving. All it has to be is they like, say sent like, it to Adam Silver directly. Oh, right, like they in the trap house or something. Like they yo ass talking <laughs> about hey. Hey, hey, y'all! Look, look, that's on Mo Fuck out of here. Mo no. might as well have been on my goddamn list. Mike, who's on the list? Uh, another disappointment. I feel like I talk about this team a lot, but I, I always have expectations for this team. But the Pelicans, like, and, and the reason why they're disappointed is just they always have the same deal, same problem from last year, same problem when they were on the Lakers with Brandon Ingram. They just do not close out games well, and I feel like that's always going to hurt them. And then also that it's just like. Line, they they gonna need a trade. They one of the teams with all those picks. They gonna have to make something happen. I think that they they're gonna need shooting. You know, I, I'm just tired of saying that they have freaking Eric Bledsoe as their best three point shooter, shooting at like 37. percent After that, they had Lonzo who came out and said like, you know, my my role is to you know push the ball, get in, you know, get on a fast break, make things happen. But in a half court, my job is to be the two, right. which is to be just to catch and shoot. He shoots 30, he's shooting 30%. He's shooting 30% on the season. So it's just like <laughs> what they're trying to do don't even make they don't even have a fast pace. They're not yeah. even one of the fastest paces in the league. So they got a lot of stuff that they could fix. And they're I think it'll be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about that as soon as they hired Stephen, Stan Van Gunnigo. Stan mm-hmm. Van Gunnigo. Like literally as soon as they, they hired him, that was the thing. It's like he's gonna make Alonzo a three and D wing player. He had already spoke about what he would do if he was the coach. Mm-hmm. So now he's the coach. There's no surprise. He said exactly what he would do mm-hmm. if he coached the team, ironically, a month and a half before he got the opportunity. So mm-hmm. now that we're seeing Lonzo be the wing and wing three and D guy that he had in mind, I'm not surprised. It's just only a matter of a time when Lonzo goes out and there was a restricted free agent and he doesn't want to fuck with the Pelicans and clutch sports, who he's now with, is going to pull some strings so he can go do what the fuck he wants to do or put the pressure on the Pelicans to feel like they have to trade him, unfortunately, because I love him and B.I.'s relationship, mm-hmm. and I want to see them together. Uh, but, man, 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 unless they can find a way to get rid of Eric Bledsoe, I, I, Alonzo has to bounce, man. He has to bounce. I, and I'm not saying Alonzo is a superstar and they need to build around him, but, man, you got to utilize guys the right way. Like, I'll be damned if one of the guys I like doesn't reach his fullest potential and, he's being misused. And not, not to cut you off, but it's just like when he says my job is just to catch and shoot in the half court, that, that just makes me mad because I know he's much more than – he's somebody that can catch and make plays, uh, you know, off of catch and shoot and stuff like that. But he's kind of restricted. Not only that, but 
we talk about him being one of the shooters around the like the star players. He, I think he's a dude that just needs shooters too, as well as yeah. him to, to to bring the benefit out of him. So I, I might have to be a change of scenery, but something's got to change in, in New Orleans. Yeah, I don't even like their starting lineup of him and um, Bledsoe. I feel like it should. I feel like JJ Reddick should be in that starting lineup. JJ Reddick should definitely so start. He should be in there over Bledsoe, definitely. And then they drafted 13th overall Kyra Lewis, and he barely touched the floor. Yeah, I've probably <laughs> seen him play a couple minutes total. So Aaron far Neeson could have been selected right there. That's a flamethrower. So um, I don't know what's going on. I don't it don't, know what's it going don't help that JJ Reddick is in a slump right now. You know, if he no, was, I'm thinking JJ Redick in a slump shooting wise over anybody in that backcourt. No, yeah, every, he spacing spacing does help just because his existence, right? It definitely yeah. does. Um, but yeah, JJ was close to making my disappointment list, but I know it's just a shooting slump. You know what I'm saying? That's all. You know, you don't expect a guy like JJ to be shooting 20 percent halfway through the season. That's just not a, not the case. My uh, my disappointment um, is the Portland Trailblazers. Portland Trailblazers are a disappointment for me. Um, I was a guy coming into the season that was extremely high on them, um, thinking they can be one of the top teams out west, and they still could be. This is what second, third, second and a half week or so into the NBA. So, um, no, it's actually the third week. I'm sorry. But um, definitely expect they don't to be better than what they are. I think right now they're flirting with like 500. They keep going back and forth. They're 6-4 uh, and four after they're yesterday's win. They're on a three-game winning streak. Yep. Yeah, so We're I, starting I, to put it together. I, I, I expected them to come out where like the Lakers were. You know what I mean? Or, like, who else is up there? Um, but, they, like you said, they are putting it together. But I, I just be seeing them struggle with certain teams that I be thinking they're going to blow out. Especially, like, when I'm on my fan duel shit, I be like, oh, they're going to they gonna blah, blah, blah the Bulls. Then, they, you know what I'm saying? The Bulls give them a hard time or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, I just expected them to be much better. And I still think that, like, some of the games that I watched them, a lot of the things I feel like I overrated about them. Um, like, like even D Mills, I think D Mills tweeted yesterday. They they still have like this ISO heavy offense, which is like no, I mean, it, defend it, at times. Yeah, so I know what you mean. You know, so much you put on Dame and CJ is going to run them into the ground, and it's just like it, it, it it's going to be a problem in a seven game series. Yeah, I mean, like they started the season with that fluid offense, and then they kind of just resorted back to their old ways of uh, mm-hmm. just ISO heavy. You know, just give Dame and CJ the ball. I get that you have them too, and they're going to get their isolations, but you can't just rely on that all the time. And you can't give Melo his isolations. I get, I get you want to <laughs> get him ball, but still, he got to catch and shoot, move, cut. I don't want to just give Melo the ball and just have everybody watch him. Like, I, he's not that player no more. <laughs> That's funny, though. I, I see what you mean, though. Like, even when a team is at the top, though. Like there's just you can still see some like disappointments. My Lakers are at the top, and there's just times where I'm like, come on, you you guys should you shouldn't be messing with the Grizzlies or something like that. Or mm-hmm. you not even that. It's just like you, you guys should be coming out with more energy on a damn nightly basis. And and for my Lakers and maybe this Heat team too, because they're they're one of the teams I'm kind of like and eh, right now it's just that it, it could be the fatigue from coming off the you know the short off season and everything. And they're kind of realizing like, oh, we got a damn long season ahead of us. We gotta you know, take it step by step. It's just sometimes, like, they don't even look like they're coming out the plate. I feel that. They're, I feel they're that. much better than my other disappointment, which is the Rockets. You know what I mean? Them being three and five. Right. I know John Wall and Boogie missed some stuff. But, yeah, I was really disappointed in, in Portland for losing to Golden State. Like, that loss was that, not Well, wasn't that the 60-piece? Yeah, that was the 60-piece. Yeah. yeah, okay. But yeah. I still look at the Warriors, like, even if Steph's giving you 60, like – 
If like if you watch that game, <laughs> that's ridiculous. By the way, it's like Brad Wanamaker is giving them buckets. Yeah, Kent Bazemore is hitting some threes. It's like, bro. So, Demios, you're our Portland Trailblazer expert. This has been my, um, the way I've observed their losses so far this season, and a lot of it has to do with, or they're underperforming, even though they're starting to put it together. Um, has to do with Yusuf Nurkic not playing at full capacity. Um, He's number one on my list. Oh. Okay, we'll we'll get to that then. I definitely remember in the off season. Tell me if I'm wrong here, y'all. Where we were having the conversation between Rudy Gobert and Yusuf Nurkic, mm-hmm. and I was told that since now Nurkic got some okay defenders on the wing, that this is about to be a top defense, right? Because Nurkic gonna hold it down, and they gonna. Ha- what happened? Yeah. What happened to that? Been bad. I mean, he's not even averaging a block a game. He normally averages a block or two a game. Uh, he's being attacked in the pick and roll. It's just not – all all his numbers are down. He's normally a 10-plus rebounder a game. He's at seven. Mm. Um, and then he got not, injured last night, right? Like, he, he something happened. Yeah, quad contusion or something. Oh, just – okay. So, it was just a contusion. Good. And, I, and I'm – This is everything. Everything about him is just down. Mm. Everything. What about, like – how do you feel about, like, the Wings defense so far? I, Garrett Trent Jr. has looked pretty good so far okay. like, defensively. But, like, what about, like, Rocco and Derek Jones Jr.? How do you feel about them to be in the yeah, Wings? Rocco Rocco's averaging six points a game, so he's <laughs> not really doing much offensively. Um, Three-point percentage is still the same damn now. I feel like we, man. Mm-hmm. Do where are you, team? Hashtag fire t- stats. If he if he got fired right here right now, we got the Woj bomb. Um, how, how would how would you feel about that? I would be happy. I would, and I would be curious to see if they try to um, hire someone new, like that's a free agent, or would they just um, promote the assistant GM, assistant uh, coach. Okay. I would be curious to see what their direction would be with that. Okay, I feel that. I feel that. Who got who got their next disappointed player? Uh, I can go real. I I already talked about it real quick, but like the Heat, they just don't. They just don't seem like they're just bringing it every night. I feel like part of that is also just like they're surprised that last year they're actually dependent. Like they they damn near depend on Duncan Robinson to hit four or five threes. Now they depend on Tyler Tyler Hero to come out and do some of the things that he was doing last year. Now and I think it's just kind of hitting that reality. I think they're gonna be good, but I definitely expect them to be better than what they were doing. I can see that. I have not got around to watch many Heat games so far this season, so I, I I'm gonna hold my I know opinion because I haven't what, really been. One around. of those games, they they were missing Jimmy Butler. <laughs> they look like they needed him bad. Right. right. Yeah. I know I'm he's, sure he's personally started off weird. I think yeah. I think yesterday it did. Right. Yeah. The game know. that they missed Jimmy is the game they got blown out by the Bucks. I'm pretty sure. When Some positives. Um, one of my positives is the Golden State Warriors. Um. Uh, 
I think for them to start off as rough as they did and then now bounce back and be a confident team uh, is very impressive. Uh, I think it shows the value of the leadership that Draymond brings because he's the only thing that changed is that he's now in the mix. Um, and that's what we, we talked about when they were struggling. Like they have such a complex offense that looks easy um, on a grand scheme of things. Like, hey, they just want to shoot. They just want to get their shooters open. But it's complex in how you do it. Steph Curry is one of the greatest shooters ever. And, you know, you don't become the greatest shooter by, you know, um, having a simplified or simple offense. So it's, it's details that uh, a lot of the other guys are going to have to pick up over time and just be a part of the system to learn, like how to screen for him, how he wants the ball, where he wants the ball, timing. You know, when you talk about a shooter, timing is everything. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and, and that could be one of the reasons J.J. Redick is struggling because he's dealing with a new point guard like Bledsoe. So the timing could be off of where, how he wants it. Um, and I, I think Draymond answers a lot of those questions for that offense. And then he even does some leadership things on the defensive end and just in the locker room to give guys certain confidence. So um, shout out to Draymond. And then Steph Curry is playing better. But I think his playing better correlates with Draymond Green being back on the floor with him, having somebody out there who knows. Shout out to Wiggins, man. Wiggins has been really good on the defensive side of the ball this season. Uh, Draymond Green had mentioned once they made that trade that he has, like, potential to be one of the better defenders. And so far this season, he's locked in, um, which changes the narrative a little bit about Wiggins now that he's given more than just, you know, even if he's having a bad shooting night, so far this season, you could count on him to be a good defender, you know, and that, that can – that can change. I, I don't know how many people care about stuff like that. Uh, I think the narrative towards Wiggins might stay the same no matter what he's doing. But his increased play of defense does make him a more valuable player than he was even last year. Yeah. No, I think I, he's, he's surrounded by those guys that's going to force him to do that. Draymond Green, Steph Curry, all those guys, they, they, they hold that shit to like a higher standard. He's not with the Timberwolves where he's like Cat and just that whole team. They don't really defend anything now. So... Mm -hmm. That's that's, that's why I, or the coaching. Yeah, that and it's one of the reasons that I just like Draymond and a lot of teams is because like and I got this from Rondo and he said this in the playoffs last year, but he was basically saying that like he has a there was a lot of Lakers that like just had like that defensive potential, but the they like he had the mind him and Bron had that mind in the keys to tell them you know what you need to be here you know or or just like the tips to make them better defenders to get them the best out of them. So I think Draymond has a lot of the similarities. Yeah, shout out to them though. They got a big win the other night against the Raptors. Down twenty. Yeah. Came back and Steph only had twelve points. So you don't expect them to win a game when Steph has twelve points. Exactly. That was that's the definition of a, a good team win and a collapse from the other side. The Raptors fucking collapsed that game. Mm -hmm. Um the my my spark or my good thing, and I'm gonna play my homer pick first, uh Kobe White. Um, from even just this season, early in the season, we would have a conversation about his playmaking. And over this whole West Coast trip, I think we left one and three. The only win we got was the Portland Trailblazers. But each one of those games, Kobe White as a playmaker had looked significantly better. Except mm -hmm. for the one play where Lou Williams just picked his pocket, like Lou Williams just took his cookies. His playmaking is looking a lot better. And, and the trust of him as a point guard, I think, in Bulls fandom has changed even just from the beginning of the season. No, I, I can agree. I can agree. I, I can tell, like, a lot of the talks of him, like, prior to this year – and probably even still now, it's just that he was a shooting guard, right? His whole main thing was to score, but I, the playmaking has increased a lot. I mean, I, I forgot how many points he scored last game, but he only had like maybe 12 or 13. It wasn't that many, but he had, he had, he had like, like a, 12. A, 
a 13-13-8 game or something like that. Right. He's finding ways to impact other parts of the floor, which you got to like from a guy that's just coming into his next year. Yeah. His first year as the as the starting point guard. You know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's looking promising. Defense still ain't there, though. That's what he I think that's it was the next step. He has to he, he has to continue to do that now. Because that was a lot of the bigger problems. Like even a week ago, just yeah. watching the players, he has a lot of opportunities that are simply there. I don't care how much of a shoot first point guard you are. And you have a dump down to a big like Wendell Carter just to get a little dunk. You have to be able to recognize that. Um and those are gonna be things that I watch when I continue to watch pool games. Um you know, it's one thing to get a certain number of assists on a stat sheet, but also how you're playmaking. Because the more and more he breaks it down, the more to open up for him to be that scorer that he loves to be. And it's important for young scoring guards to understand it. They try to get, 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 get. But when you give, ironically, you receive because now the shit is opened up for you. And, man, we know how he can get down the time to score. But yeah. – uh, now I still look at him as a six six man role type guy. He's gonna have to be a lot more consistent as far as playmaking before I'm viewing him as a legitimate starting point guard. Right. Uh, he, no problem. I think he can. St- I think he can thrive like a motherfucker in a six man role. No. What a good thing about the Bulls is that we not you know we're just trying to grow the players at the end of the day. So like maybe at the moment you see him as a six man and maybe that's what he ends up being. But I think. Um, it's just about focusing on the role you're given now and trying to improve in that. And I think he's been he's been doing that, you know, mm-hmm. better than anybody on the team. Anybody. Yeah. And it's the hardest position to adjust to in the league, the starting mm-hmm. PG role. Like when rookies come in, we already know that that PG, he's going to need time to grow into that role. And last year, Kobe White was given a simple role where he just had to come off the bench to score. So mm-hmm. therefore, you saw like more flashes. So at, when he was struggling at the beginning of the season, yeah, I was kind of like, uh, do we want him starting? But now he's slowly coming into that role where you can be like, all right, he ain't terrible. I can trust him in that role. Yeah. yeah. I think, think we're going to be competitive every night with him as our point guard. I also see a lot of teams waste a lot of damn time trying to make guys be something that they're not going to be, and that's a point guard. Um, Kobe White, yeah, experiment. Do what you do. The Bulls ain't winning games anyway. But – I don't. I don't think it's smart to fucking focus and try to make somebody be something that they're just not. So if he, if he does continue to show that that ain't him, I don't think the Bulls should waste time trying to make him something that he should. Like the best thing the Cavs did was like ease up on Colin Sexton trying to be a point guard. Like just let that go. They drafted Darius Garland, cool, and you ain't forcing him. Zach Levine. That was one of my biggest problems with him being in the Timberwolves. Like. The first couple years of his career, they wasted damn near trying to force him to be a point guard when that's not who Zach Levine is, bro. Stop trying to make players who aren't point guards be point guards. Being a point guard is more than just passing. Like some sometimes a point guard is natural. You know what I mean? Like we can watch slow mo and see that even though slow mo is lined up at a small forward, he's naturally a point guard playing with a point guard type mindset. So that's all. But <clears throat> the who was your other guy? You said you're starting off with a homer. Let Mike give his guy. No, I was going to say, I think the next, I, I like what Kobe White's been doing, like the playman. I think the next step for him alongside the defense is just a lot of times it just looks like he tries to force it. Like he doesn't have that, okay, let me stop. Let me pull it out real quick. It always looks like he just. You ain't say that when he was in front of your face. He, he wasn't doing that. But he was just getting buckets when he was in front of my face. But sometimes he just make like, let me, let me run to the paint and kind of jump up and make a little pass or something like that. He got to calm down on that stuff. But he's definitely having a better season. Um, one of my surprises is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think with having Jai out the time he's going to be in, missing Jaron Jackson, they've been keeping the, like, the boat afloat. Mm-hmm. You know, 
for some reason, you know, the offense obviously is going to look a little bit more dry without John and, and stuff, but they've been, you know, Kyle Anderson has been doing his thing. Um, Dylan Brooks is having a, a nice year again, too, even defensively. I, they just look good. So I, if they can keep this going and John and, J, and Triple J get back, I think they're going to have a shot to get back in that playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm very surprised at how competitive they've been mm-hmm. without I guess you would expect that team to just go to, but they actually compete. They were competing against your Lakers, the Elmer champions. They played them like three times without John Jaron Jackson. So it was actually surprising. Yeah, they, they've definitely been a surprise. Um, I like how a lot of people have stepped up. Like Tyus Jones went just from a cool role player to like when he started and the team looked solid with him as their point guard, you know, and, um, even to a lower extent, like Jonas Valanciunas and, and Grizzly Twitter got a lot of hate, like, over the past couple of games. And then they played last night, right? Was that last night I'm thinking about? I think it was last night or the night before. Regardless, his last game, he was dominating. And it was like, oh, okay, okay, Jonas Valanciunas back on that. So um, definitely a team that you would expect to, without lo- with losing their two best players, they'd be at the bottom of the conference, but they won't they won't stop fighting. Yeah. Yeah, so I, was uh, about Jonas, man. I think he's better than Nurk. Definitely. So far, definitely. Uh, my my guy was C.J. McCollum. Uh, he's averaging 28 points per game this season. Oh, God. Well, what? Tell us. C.J. has been hooping, bro. Yeah, talk yeah, your tra- C.J. Talk your averaging talk, 28 man. points per game. His steal, he almost averaging two steals a game, so that means he's increasing. This is why people pound on our shit saying we need to talk about blah, blah, because a motherfucker always going to revert to their favorite team. Somehow, somehow. Let him. I got my homer pick off. Let him get his homer pick off. That's what I'm saying. CJ deserves a lot more love than than Kobe White. CJ deserves a lot more love than Kobe White. He's been looking like an all-star this season. Yeah, Yeah. he's playing like an all-star. He's damn near been the best guard on the Blazers through these 10 games. So, hats off to him. Yeah, that's a fact. I I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And then he's got a couple closing moments, too, just like last night. Closing moment, call game. Um, Just definitely deserve a a little love here. I mean, could he keep it up to end up in the all-star game you think like all-star nomination i guess this is no game uh maybe i don't know 28 yeah. points per game with damian lillard it might be kind of hard depending on if dane picks it up mm-hmm. but it seems like dane sometimes just defers him so i would say that I, the 28 is kind of high but this year cj mccullum just looks like he he's on a different he looked comfortable right I all the moves i think he's trying to prove that you should not tra- when he heard his name was in those trade rumors for james harden it it changed. Was there trade rumors with James Harden this season? Yeah, they added them to his list. Oh, yeah, and okay, he didn't okay. want to, and he didn't want to be, and he and he knew, and he said it like in an interview, like who, who on the team would have to be included in that deal, and he said it was me. Yeah, because y'all ain't got shit else that's worth value. That wouldn't have been enough to get James Harden. Anyway. They would have to throw in thirty picks yeah. and pick swaps and do a lot of more things the to thing do it. The thing about CJ McCollum, I just don't think he's doing anything that. He can't. He couldn't do. I think CJ McCollum has always been that type of guy. I mean, twenty eight is a is, is big for him, but I, I I don't think he'll keep it up. But I think CJ McCollum has always been an all star player that we know, but he just didn't make an all star team. Like I never thought CJ McCollum would like was a fluke or was like this stepped on guy. I think CJ McCollum is a walking bucket. He's always proved that, and this year he's a starting off a little bit more in tune and intact. But I don't like. I'm not surprised by anything he's doing personally. I don't think Derek is. That was the only thing that I that, that I was trying to say. I think he is an all-star this year without a doubt. I don't even think it's and, – and I think he should have been an all-star. You know what I mean? I remember 
him and Bradley Beal were like a conversation, and people didn't know who to pick at one point. And Bradley yeah. Beal's had more opportunity because his starting point guard went down. And I think if the same thing happened to Portland, which we don't want to see Damian Lillard go down, but I think Bradley Beal, I mean, CJ McCollum would look sort of like Bradley Beal if he was just playing by himself for a, a season or two, the way that Bradley Beal did without John Wall. I think part of the reason why I think CJ scoring just stepped up too is he said he worked a lot in the offseason or then when the time he had is just like his range. He he wanted to make you know all those pull up mid range he hits and still does. He wanted to make it so he those are pull up threes now. He wanted mm-hmm. to make it so he was more just a you know an attack off that off that dribble. For stuff. sure, but I'm gonna guess I'm gonna look this up. I bet the free throws went up. I'm gonna just that's just a guess. I'm on his profile sure. right now. His, his, um, his three point percentage definitely went up though this season. So that his free throws him yeah, only up by one. Yeah, he's shooting the most free throws he's ever shot. How many? He's four. shooting four. Last that's, year was 2.6. That's how you elevate, man. That's how you elevate. Lot, if you can draw fouls. At the same time. If you if you can draw fouls, that's that's a definitely elevation to your game. Uh who got who got their next guy? Jeremy Grant. Oh, Detroit oh. Pistons. Team that's not gonna get a lot of conversation. We yeah. talked about them a good amount this episode, too. Um, yeah, we have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. But, yeah, Jeremy Grant, man. Jeremy Grant is a guy I talked about all offseason. I was happy that he left, that he was taking an opportunity to spread his wings and fly. Um, and, you know, he had he actually had an article with The Athletic come out talking about his decision and talking about how fans really don't view the whole thing. They just think it's simply like, oh, why would you leave the Nuggets when, you know, they're in a better situation than the Pistons? But it's like not – you know, it's not always about taking more money and th- different things like that. It's just a challenge in yourself. I think he also so, mentioned playing for a black coach in a black city, yeah, too, in that article. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as, as far as, like, the basketball stuff that I'm – because that's why he's my bright spot is the basketball. It's just about challenging yourself to be the best that you can be. And and that was the opportunity he saw in Detroit, and I think he's living up to that thus far. Will it continue? Same conversation we had with C.J. McCollum. Not sure. But – um, for a guy that got the amount of money that he did, he's actually, you know, been, been their bright spot. You know, I know they have Killian Hayes. He's hurt. He was starting off slow, different things like that. I think Jeremy Grant looks like um, a guy that you – I just root for players like that, bro. Players that has gotten better every single year. He literally was a second-round pick um, on the uh, on the uh, trust process. The process. process. Mm-hmm. Um, started there. Got some roles with OKC. He was surrounded with Russ. Me and Mike, I know I've had conversations when he played for them because he was improving his three-point shot to be next to Russ. Then he goes to Denver um, and is giving them the defensive presence that they needed. And, and now he's with, with Pistons looking like a number one option. And I'm just a fan of when basketball players get better and better and better and better. Yeah. It's like, I, I think I'm a fan of him betting on himself more than anything. I mean yeah. – I think one of the most dangerous things people do is become content with their current situation and just be cool. Like, he got offered the same money, you know, between Denver and Detroit. He could have sat in the corner all damn day in Denver, played the defense, and helped them be more competitive. But that's just not what he wanted to do. He wanted to progress his life and his his, uh, progression as a basketball player. So I I respect the hell out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll go next. Another bright spot I've been seeing. This is a dude that – it seemed like he's getting better every game, but LaMelo Ball, I, I knew he was going to be special, but just every game, he looks like he's getting more confident. It looks like he's making just smarter decisions, and it looks like he's just ready. Like, he's one of the players that's actually helping them win now. You know, alongside the, the signing with Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier has been playing really well, but 
altogether, he's kind of been like the guy that's keeping them, you know, afloat, I feel like. And it, it, his passing has been infectious. And I feel like if this team had a damn center instead of business, somebody who could protect the damn pain and be a little bit more forced on the side, they'd be off in a, a, a lot better situation. But I like what the Hornets are doing so far. That's the only thing they miss it, man. Yeah. Let Rozier play his value up and try to swap him for a point. I mean, a center. Hey, that's crazy. Point. My while we're on the subject, my next guy was Terry Rozier for the bright spot. So we picked two Hornets players, uh, mostly because with Lamelo Ball being there, his his role as a playmaker is gone, and he can just get buckets. That that's just all he's doing this season. He's just getting buckets. Uh, but ba- but back to Lamelo before I forget my statement. Um, the reason why I've been liking watching him play is that man Lamelo Ball is just his his basketball IQ was insane for eighteen nineteen year or whatever it is, bro. Like this is gonna sound super simple because it's something that we think that anybody would do. But he was being guarded by Trey Young, and he was like, "I'm gonna go to the block." Trey Young is seven inches, ten inches shorter than me. I'm just gonna go to the block and shoot over him, and he was just doing that, and that's simple. But a lot of motherfuckers is not doing that when Trey Young is guarding them. It's just yeah. He, he's just so smart, I, bro. I don't mean to cut you. Does anybody know why Bismack Biombo was on there with Lamelo in that video? I think he was on that. I think they have that type of relationship. Okay, because yeah. so, yeah, he looked I, mad as hell in that ways, video. Bro. Um, there was a play where, of course, we were still in the close game. It was like one second on the shot clock, and instead of taking the shot, he tried to pass it because he was one assist <laughs> away from a triple double. So I've seen people say like, "Oh, they were just cool like that." Or other people was like, "No, Busy was really mad because Lamelo almost sold the game." Either way, um. You know, this Mello is play. He a goofy, silly, playful. Bro, there's a clip from from Ball in the Family, bro. I don't, I didn't never watch the show, but I'm gonna go back and watch it because I think um, Lonzo took Lamelo's chain and hit it. Do y'all know what clip I'm talking about? No. And he was searching everybody. He was like, Lonzo, you got my chain. He was like, Let me check your pocket. He was like, He's a thief. He's a criminal, just like his brother. And that's <laughs> it's just it's funny, bro. That he would just say that, bro. <laughs> He's a criminal, just like his brother. I'm like, man, they really, they really doing that to Leangelo, man. <laughs> I just actually put that shit together. I'm, I'm slow. Um, yeah, I, I think, forgot about I think that the whole damn general, They're super. They're just fun right now. It's yeah. just fun. Lamelo's brought a different type of energy to that whole team. Yeah, like Mike said, they just had like a high flying center. They'd be like musty. They still musty TV, but man, if they had like a, a live threat catching center. They'd be. So- to Gordon Hayward though, he's been hooping. He's been playing at, like an all-star level. I think they'll have a little bit of cash this offseason. Not like cap. I mean, like a uh, max contract cash, but to upgrade their center, hell yeah, they should have that cash this offseason. Yeah. So Zeller will be all. This is the type of team that if they did the expansion and they kept like eight players, they ate top eight, and they got some like new players, they could benefit a lot from that type of shit. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see it. Malik Monk still not getting PT though. Uh, my my guy is Miles Turner. Uh, he's having like a defensive player type of the year. Um, he's having four blocks a game. It's kind of crazy when you look at him. He he only averaged two, and they for him to just come out and average four is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, he, he's he's really locking things down uh, over there. I mean, he's a big part of that defense. Like um, yeah. on off numbers are fucking ridiculous when he's at center versus anybody else on the team at center. So. He definitely does. I think we had conversations about him in defensive player of the year last year or even the year before that. He's always in the conversation, you know. Um, I guess he decided to come out and make it his this year. Yeah, because you – Nate, it was an interview. Man, um, Nate Brinkerin, whatever the hell you call it, um, sat him down and, and, like, defined his role. 
and a lot of it is just sitting in the paint. And I know this sounds stupid for that to be the 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 click because that should have been his role. He should have known that was his role the whole time. But sometimes just hearing it helps a lot, you know. Yeah. And I, I guess that's all he really needed to to turn it up. Is he defensive player of the year to you right now, though? Yeah, I would say so. I think defensive player of the year is a hard award to think of off the top of your head. It is, yeah. especially just like. <clears throat> The like the de- defense, especially like for those blocks, Javale McGee was averaging like three blocks last year. We was like, oh, he might be defense. Like to keep that up throughout the whole year, it's yeah. just it's just yeah. hard. It's yeah. like, at one point he was averaging five, and it's all right. three. He had eight blocks in one game. You know what that does to your statistic early on in the season? <laughs> y'all want to? Can y'all guess who has the best defense in the league right now? The best, the Cavaliers. The, the Cavaliers, bro. How, first of all, how you know that? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I, I just seen that like this morning. Oh, okay. I was looking at the stats for it. Bro, isn't that fucking crazy? Like they were the worst defensive team in the league for three years in a row before this year, and now they're number one. Especially with Derek Garland. I took it personally. <laughs> um, I gotta give one more shout out. We ain't gotta talk about him. Keldon Johnson is really doing his thing. Shout out to Keldon Johnson. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, another surprise team, and I haven't even really been watching them this much, but they yeah, always surprise fucking teams you got. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they, this is the last one. This is the last one, but the Thunder. I I, I did mm. not know they were going to be a team that was going to actually still be looking like they're going to be competing. We said have... Al Horford, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and they had one oh. close games too, like yeah, close bro. games. So. Close I know games. y'all don't sit around watching Nick games. He ate the Knicks up. <laughs> I'm talking about. He ate the Knicks up mid-range in the post. Three-point shot. He lit the Knicks up. That's crazy. The like the Thunder couldn't buy a basket the first quarter. Shea was missing. Darius Baisley was missing. All Horford the first quarter. And then they once the rest of the team kept up, they took off on I guess. Mm. I'm talking about he was he. If there was anybody that had any interest in trading him, that solidified it. Post up with his back, facing up, jab, shooting, pick and pop. I'm t- I was like, bro, what the fuck is going on right now? I knew I said I was he was going to get his trade value up, but this motherfucker playing like an all-star. Yeah, that's crazy. They, they, Shea has had a couple really good games the last couple weeks, too, where, like, now yep. my trade don't feel that bad. You know, he's at that level. Even yeah. though the other person in the trade is ass. Yeah, I don't even know if that man on my team no more. Um, no, 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 he is, he is, he's out though. Yeah, no, I'm talking about from my perspective. Oh, your trade, your trade. Yeah, I'm talking about from my perspective. Oh, Marcus Smart? No. Marcus Smart has been, he's been, he's out right now, I think, but. Well, the whole team is out right played. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, LeBron's been cool. I just got to deal with him and Anthony Davis having the game time status next week. I can't wait day. till we go against each other, <laughs> bro. I can't day. wait till we go against each other in fantasy, bro. That shit's going to be amazing. Gonna be fun. Cause right now I'm kinda I'm kinda the man, I guess, in the league. Top dog, undefeated only undefeated player left. Whatever Mills did to the staff, I feel like it's inflated as hell now. I love the females, but that was just one of the most idiotic things to ever do. I'm su I'm surprised you changed it to two and not like one point two five or one point five. Where you change you you change some shit so drastically it changed weeks ago results. Like that's not a league. I I, don't, I I stopped caring after after that point. <laughs> like like me and Mike are playing now. I didn't even have Embiid in yesterday. Cause nah, I, I look at the yesterday. Because if you're changing shit in the middle of a season that's gonna make wins and losses change, what the fuck are we doing? 
And then there's people that ain't even in our friend group who are in the league, and I know they woke up and they probably got a if I lost a, if I lost a win, I'd be mad, bro. Right, yeah, like what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? He ain't said no email out, no, <laughs> right. no memo, no, message, no, no nothing. And Katrina, like, why am I three and oh? Yeah, right. Like, oh, I, I like I some shit. No, nah, it wasn't even bro. that. We just woke up. He, bro, I'm blue. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even I notice, changed, bro. I changed the points and now I got an L for last week. I didn't know it was going to do all that. No, just but... doing some shit, bro. <laughs> just doing some shit. Just be doing it. Not, I heard y'all about... complaining about bro, that. Was before, that was like, right, because we had 20, 20 games that didn't get points, but it was like, to double the point value is kind of crazy. It is. You got to remember that decimals are there. You also have to be remember that as a GM, people going to complain regardless. There's always going to be some shit to complain about. That don't mean you change some shit. If or, or if anything, if anything, just take a vote. Like, we got enough people in the Something movie. We're like, communicate. But because a motherfucker complain on me just at, at 12 o'clock when you land. Hey, I'm not tripping, though. You know what I'm saying? I took an extra win on a week that I had an L. So I'm, I'm chilling. I have one center on my team, and we got rebounds counted for two points, man. You, when I saw that, we changed up the whole dynamic of this roster. I made it one point two five now. Oh, now you reversed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank now you. I'm two and one. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's bro? what I'm saying. Let's go. Let's get it, bro. Let's get it. This is terrible ran league, bro. This is terrible, bro. This might be your last year running GM. Yeah. It, it definitely is his last year being the gym, the, the the commissioner. Bro, what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're, you're, you, you, that, that's crazy, bro. Hey, on some real shit, we fuck around. No, I don't even want to say because I like my team, but we fuck around. Just need to quit this fucking season, bro. <laughs> bro, this, this is the first time in like two years I've been actually caring. I feel like the last two years, it's always like the first two, three weeks, and after that, I just like I don't care no more. I'll be it's still the checking. first two or three weeks. Like there's a potential that you feel that way. Next um, but my team has been better than it has been in the last. Few oh, okay. You gonna send out a memo for the rest of the people that's not on the panel that um that now have to deal with the new updated settings? No, he's not. He's gonna have them wake up and be fucking zero and three now, and they're not gonna know why. They gonna think they shit is bugging. Mister, I don't. I can't change nothing. Remember he said that to us? Facts. I didn't change nothing. That one's got me re now I gotta rethink my team, bro. I had my team really set out for this new updated things, and now I gotta go back and change it. Hey Nick Nurse. Hey, let me ask y'all a question. I asked Twitter yesterday to name me some players who are better than their career shows. But I'm asking y'all because I think see, the thing about Twitter is people always try to think too hard on it. They try to get too deep. Like, so I was seeing people say, like, Tracy McGrady. It's like, sure, anybody who could redo their career could probably have a better career. But mm -hmm. Tracy McGrady still had a hell of a career. He's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not thinking of guys like Tracy McGrady or, you know, I even saw, like, some Josh Smith. I'm thinking of guys like O.J. Mayo, Tyreek Evans. Those are guys that we know are better than what their career shows for. They were naming, like, Steve Francis. Sure, he could have had a better career, but he was a three-time also. He had some success. I'm thinking of guys who had minimal to no success, but we know they're much better than what we saw. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? This one comes to mind, and he's had a decent career, but I, the reason I say his name because I feel like a couple of those years just went to waste. But Nick Batum in Charlotte, like Nick Batum in Portland, you know, before the Charlotte car, I thought he was a really good player. I thought he was a good shooter, Swiss Army knife. A lot of teams could have used him. But he wasn't like going to Charlotte. He wasn't gonna be no all. He wasn't gonna be no, you know, face of the franchise type dude. 
So I think he kind of just wasted years there, you know? I can see that. That's a very hard question, though. Mm-hmm. That's a surprising answer for Mike. I thought Mike was going to say one of the prominent ones. Lance Thank Stevenson you. is what I kept. Yeah, shout I mean, out! Shout out to Lance Stevenson, the real season three, Lance Stevenson, episode one. Mm-hmm. Y'all want to talk about where he got drafted? G League? I have no idea what we're talking about. Where did he get drafted? At? Let's see. Oh, he was in the G League draft. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. It was like number three or two. It was like a top pick. He man. definitely was wasn't uh, uh, one of those because I know those names. It was number like one was Admiral Schofield. Admiral Schofield. Oh. Yeah, Admiral Schofield was like number one. Um, hmm, a player. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, what it sounds like you, you, for the examples you gave, it's like people that are great basketball players but then turn out to be great NBA players, right? right. So you know that they're better than what their career show. Like Michael Beasley. Right, Look Michael Beasley is a prime career. example of that. Yeah. This is like, but you know he can hoop. Brandon Jennings. Hey, somebody who I was like, damn, his ass a hooper, but it just Tony Roden was somebody like that. Tony Roden. I thought Tony Roden had a hella game. He would be a better answer to me than Nick Batum. Because I think Nick Batum, Batum succeeded more than people thought he would. You're right. The Charlotte shit fucked him up, but I still think he overachieved for what people thought he would do. He's so, a guy that I got a guy that felt like he kind of like fell off the cliff. Um Ty Lawson. He like one year he was leading the league and it's this. The next year he was smoking hookah and out of the league. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one, too. I don't know. Give me more time. Bring this back up next episode where I got some time to think about it because that's really good. That's a really really good one. A draft class on 2K. Mm -hmm. Marshawn Brooks, Mike, I have on here. I'll read some of the names just so y'all can have a better idea. Mm -hmm. Gail Green, uh, Darrell Wright, Nick Young. Uh, I put Greg Oden on here because I don't think Greg Oden is a bust. He was just injured. That's not his problem. You know what I mean? Um, Chandler Parsons. Jordan Crawford. I know Mike fuck with Jordan Crawford. You know Royce, I fuck with them six, man. Royce White. Royce White um, didn't want to get on the plane, bro. Tyrus Thomas. Who knows what he could have been? Sean Livingston. Michael Beasley. Monte Ellis. Uh, Jeff Green. Um, Deion Waiters, Andrew Bogut was a number one overall pick. Rudy Gay, um, and then I have some people that died that couldn't, you know, like they're going to be the face of the draft. Like Benji Wilson. Mm-hmm. Wait, Mike, you know who Benji Wilson is? Just yeah. say yes or no. Yeah, he's a dude. That Derek, do you know who Benji Wilson is? That's why mm-hmm. I wanted you to say yes or no because I didn't want you to give up. Derek, as so, what are you doing after you get off of here? I'm eating. You I'm need loving. to know who Benji Wilson is. Can you Google the name Benji Wilson and do some research? On Watch it? the 30 for 30. 30 for 30 is really good. You're a Chicago-born person. You need to know who Benji Wilson is. So Benji Wilson and Lynn Bias are going to be the face of the class. Next episode, Derek, here goes some – watch Hoop Dreams too. That's too much to ask It is like a three-hour movie. Watch part of Hoop Dreams. Watch part of Hoop Dreams or understand what it is. That's two monumental basketball things about this city that, you know, that you just should just know. That's all. All right, bad. All right. We appreciate y'all watching, listening to this episode of Through the Wire. We'll be back on Saturday with our very next episode, and we'll see how things go. Appreciate y'all. Hey, love y'all. And for y'all who have made it this far and just saw some of that conversation, tag me if you got some guys. Reply to this tweet or tag me. 
if you got some guys after hearing what we're talking about, the type of players that I can add to this list, because um, I probably won't see it in the comments. So hit me on Twitter with them or yeah, because the comments just gonna say you didn't talk about my favorite team. Yeah, we didn't talk about you. How could you guys not talk about Jason Tatum when he's about to be in quarantine? That's significant. <laughs> I will see y'all soon. Peace. Peace.